0: Welcome to the Sensual Artistry Podcast, exploring erotic awakenings and liberated love. I'm your host, Luna Agnea, a sensual arts and intimacy facilitator, relationship coach, tantrika, and artist with a passion for the path of liberation through love. In this podcast, you will receive first-hand stories of sacred erotic awakenings transformational experiences and love that goes beyond limits. This podcast is here to inspire, educate, and awaken your own sensual artist because when you liberate your eros, you liberate your life. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is part two of the podcast. Uh, If you haven't listened to part one, then you can go back, but we're talking about some other things. So if you want to just start with this one, that's fine too. I'm here with Mia and yeah, I hope you enjoy. Yeah. And then the topic of safety, it's always, as well, such a big thing at the moment because, you know, there's people that are just like, well, nothing's safe ever. And safety is just an illusion. And then there's the people like, no, there actually is like an embodied sense of safety. And like when you understand more about trauma and nervous system regulation, and all this kind of stuff, you know, like, yeah, like there is the hyper arousal. And when you're not feeling safe and when you're kind of, a lot of your energy gets stored up in kind of checking your environment and analyzing everything and you just yeah there's this level of arousal that happens if you're not feeling safe versus when you feel safe Mm -hmm. and yeah you could fall asleep in the middle of a temple night where people are having sex around you but you feel so safe and held that you know like oh my body actually could just sleep here um And yeah, we even have like some people with really intense trauma, like they might not even feel safe to close their eyes because they're so hypervigilant. So, you know, for me, like safety is a sense of, I mean, for one, just an embodied experience of being able to relax and not have this, um, you know, constant checking if the environment's okay and if you're under threat, um, as well as an emotional bonding community thing of knowing that like if I don't agree or I want to do something else, or I, uh, you know, I'm different in some way that I'm not going to get rejected from the tribe and I'm not going to get shamed and put down. And I found this is a problem in a lot of the kind of new age spiritual spaces is that like, it really isn't okay. Like you want to do something different and people are going to be like, you're in resistance, you're in your shadow, you're projecting, you're this you're that. And they'll like be trying to diagnose you rather than just being acceptance that that's just not what is right for you in this moment or uh, respecting that you have a different opinion or a different thing. And maybe they could learn from that opinion. So um, I think, yeah, like for me, when I'm thinking about safety in a space, there's like the two levels of that. It's like the, the primal animal body safety thing, and then the community safety. And like, do people really feel that Like they can not be judged and be accepted and be welcomed in who they are in this space. So what are your thoughts on that around safety?
1: Um, Yeah, I feel like it brings up this whole like as a child, if you feel safe, I feel like that's when you want to like play the most, you know, like we always look for a safe, either a friend or an environment, at least for me, it was like, okay, I just want to like go somewhere where I can play. And Uh like run all my imaginary crazy stuff that I wanted to role play with my friends. But it came from a place of, okay, I feel like I'm safe and I can share with you what I'm going through. So Uh for me, safety is always like almost like step number one. Uh How do people feel that they can be free in themselves to express themselves in whatever um, it feels like is authentic? And I feel like a lot of schools kind of say that as like, yes, you can come and be yourself, but then when it comes into practices and when it comes into group rituals and like I get it, even in concerts, you know, like you just kind of like want to go with the mob, Um, there's something that takes over and like the group conformity piece um, is a really interesting kind of feature of all of communities and, you know, I went to a vegan community and I became a vegan within, you know, three weeks of just being there. Like it's just like it kind of rubs on you. So whatever the practices are and especially when it's to do with relating or sexuality, I feel like whatever the the common practices are, they're going to feel like the right way of doing things and it doesn't take that long to transmit. So that's where I'm kind of like sensitive like okay it also happens in families where we just become used to dysfunctional patterns and um, we think that's safety and then yeah our patterns of hyper arousal in group situations kind of relate back into that but ultimately we just all become children again and then that exposes all of our childhood conditioning around what's supposedly safe and then we may look for the you know dysfunctional parent (laughs) in the group Mm -hmm. who's gonna you know be our safety and take care of us and end up in trauma bonding Mm. and not solve any of it um so i'm starting to promote this idea that like actually you need to do your healing your therapeutic work almost in a one-on-one setting or in a small therapeutic, literally therapeutic group, and then go into transformational spaces or these, I guess, like spiritual quests mm-hmm. um, from an attitude of I'm going to challenge myself, but it's not like, you know, and I need to integrate it in another space. Like it's not going to be the answer to my mm-hmm. problems.
0: Yeah yeah so what kind of thing do you have in mind when you think of the one-on-one therapeutic or what what you think people need before they step into a container like is or other like transformational spaces
1: um well I've been I've been part of um just interviewing some people that were uh, applying for scholarships for ISTA and stuff like I was really yeah like part of wanting to make sure that it's accessible to people from different economic backgrounds different cultural backgrounds and kind of trying to prepare people for that and if i feel like there is a lot of personal um either trauma already in the body or i can feel like you know there's dissociation from problems or any of that like i would say no this is not a right place for you like start with Going to therapy start with unpacking what's going on in your body when you go into these places because knowing if your training involves dissociative practices, which include meditation, any sort of breath work, um, mm. any sort of kind of altered states through trance, whether it's dance or sexuality is kind of part of that. Like if we, especially when we access like any kundalini sort of practices, um. I feel like there needs to be a solid background of knowing how to navigate your own nervous system. But we aren't really taught that anywhere. So mm-hmm. I guess then I would make that separation between schools that are really focusing on that and really have the therapeutic background. I guess we're going back into square one. In terms of- yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a separation <laughs> um, where you yeah can hold yourself and then potentially go into these laboratory spaces where healing is not necessarily the main goal. Like maybe it's mm. exploration, maybe it's challenge, maybe it's, you know, we are discovering something new about how we relate or how humanity works or what our aspirations are. And then that, yeah, yeah the intention matters a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we've even considered for our retreats and stuff, having some kind of like foundations course that people have to do before they come on any retreat that just has some like basic nervous system regulations and basic meditations and grounding and just like giving people this like one-on-one, like how to be with yourself and recognize your trauma patterns before they even think about it. And I mean, my retreats are a lot more gentle than, uh, instead from what I've heard of the kind of processes going on and stuff that we tend to um be a bit more like slow and steady and um yeah also it's like sensual non-sexual spaces because I also know that like and I I went straight you know when i was younger into a lot of like full sex festivals and you know i was in berlin so i was going to a lot of like sex parties and kink parties and stuff and yeah like so much dissociation and not being able to say no and uh like having no idea and just freezing up and stuff like that and i did i still for years didn't consider myself to have trauma i was just like no i just you know struggle Communicating, but I'm fine. And you know, it wasn't until I was doing Leila Martin's coaching training when we were going really deep into trauma, and I was like, "Oh my god, like I have so much trauma." And I think this is the thing: a lot of people they don't realize that they even have these patterns because it's just deemed normal. Like you know, women Mm. not speaking up about their boundaries and freezing is kind of considered relatively normal. Like a lot of my friends did that, so I just didn't think that it was like a sign of trauma or that it was. Um a problem I was like oh that's just the way sex is and that's just the way people are and yeah but then like through years of exploring these kind of spaces and really seeing like oh yeah actually like when I don't feel like I want to play with people there's nowhere for me to go so I feel like there's pressure for me to get sexual because otherwise I have to leave because I don't fit in anywhere so then I started bringing into my spaces like always having non-sexual uh areas because I was like okay yeah what if you don't feel like Mm -hmm. it and then you feel pressured to just because that's what everyone else is doing and um then I started yeah just noticing that the risk goes up so much more as soon as there's penetration around like consent violations and people having trauma and I was like actually it's pretty advanced going into a space where people are like having sex with people they just met like a lot of people do it but, yeah. and you know they'll be like oh that's fine but like when I look back in hindsight I'm like wow like that was some pretty risky stuff I was doing and did I really get that much out of it compared to when I was just doing other kinds of sensual intimacy play where I still managed to get a mm-hmm. lot out of it but without that like added risk so that's why I was like okay I'm like my spaces I'm just gonna like pull it back a little bit because I think people need to learn how to communicate and interact and like stay in their bodies before they move to being like all right let's have a gangbang or <laughs> get into an orgy or something because that's actually quite advanced yeah. to be able to stay fully present in that experience and to do it fully consensually and in a way that's really going to be healing
1: yeah i i feel like it's like all the good intentions i feel like have started from that and building programs have started from that but then i heard somebody somebody say around me talking about all this saying it's not okay to have like inner child work or reparenting work in the same space as sexuality work like these are just like separate things because yeah they get intermingled and it's it's recipe for disaster um and then yet I kind of see what the trainings have tried to do at least where I've been a part of it's like okay we kind of reparent ourselves do all that sovereignty stuff really quickly and get it out of the way and then like go into relating field and yeah it works to kind of fast forward a lot of the patterns and I guess in some ways I definitely felt like oh I've been part of um re-educating bodies in terms of what's what's okay and what's normal what's appropriate and like how to go into a threesome or something with full presence and awareness, right? Like, you know, at least they're not drug-induced. At least they're not, like, happening in these drunken um, club settings, which is what I guess most of the world does um, to this day. So I feel like, okay, we're, we're, you know, making advances. And yet now, like, stepping back from it all, I'm like, well, I don't even know if I wanted to go into that. Like, I don't even know what my body's original authentic boundaries are if I ever did Um, and there's such a different almost like reprogramming even in myself of like what's actually my body boundaries even doing contact dance with a bunch of people for the last few years I had a whole month by myself where my body was like I don't want to touch another body like anytime soon I'm so satiated I'm so like filled with other people's impressions I didn't even have you know intimate like naked time with them but I'm still like okay we all feel each other so Mm -hmm. yeah these considerations of even going to a club they're going to be filled with everyone's stuff right
0: it's going to take me
1: five days to recover from one day of being there and you know like I guess that's the equation I would count into all of this if it's a week's training then take another three weeks off afterwards to integrate it
0: yeah and that's always the piece around like integrating it like what is it to even really integrate these kind of experiences like whether it's that you know you went to a um, temple kind of multi-day space and you had like you know a group experience like um, I don't know what's the difference between that just being a peak experience versus something that is part of your spiritual growth. Like when we're talking about spiritual spaces that have this intention of awakening or liberation or whatever they're claiming to have. Um, And this is what I've just been noticing as well. Like this big shift within me around my intention of moving more into like that. The reason I'm doing this stuff is for like liberation and awakening. Cause I'm on that path now officially, (laughs) you know, uh and then yeah what's the difference between like oh that was fun and it was juicy and I had a hot time and it was kind of like getting high or whatever and I had a juicy experience versus like what is deconditioning um things that I've been taught about what is sex and romance what is like experiencing unity consciousness through a group and experiencing intimacy and opening into things that change my perspective of reality and um, yeah, I've just been noticing this difference with other facilitators, where I feel like people working in sacred sexuality are either one or the other. They're either uh, you know, doing it because they want to have the most, like, yeah, intense, juicy, sexy thing, and they want everyone to get as wild and sexy and untamed as possible, or there's an intention of more like integration, embodiment and liberation. Uh, and I feel like, you know at first, I was very much in this like hedonistic, like, how hot and wild can we get uh, energy when I was growing up? And then now I'm very much like, no, like, I, when I'm connecting with people and when I'm going into play and exploration, it's like exploring the nature of reality, it's exploring consciousness, it's exploring, like, what is my truth and what is real and, like, what is conditioning and what have I been told about myself versus what I am. And um, yeah, I feel like it's a very different direction that you're steering people mm-hmm. when you're going into group erotic processes or uh, you know spaces when you're kind of going in that direction versus going in that direction and they kind of might seem like they're the same especially in sacred sexuality where you're doing similar practices but there's definitely like a different place for trying to land people so I've had to really yeah like tune into that and myself and like who I can collaborate with that I feel like is also kind of going in the same direction as I am otherwise people are getting pulled in these two different ways Um, So yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how you've felt with that, with um, these kind of spaces that are around like the sacred and spirituality, but maybe are a little bit more focused Mm -hmm. on like hedonism or are they actually moving people towards awakening and
1: integration or, yeah. Um, Yeah, I feel like there's something to be said also how it changes through our age. And Mm -hmm. there's this ongoing question of like, yeah there's 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 hierarchies for sure in terms of just knowledge come through aids and wisdom around our own bodies and what we need comes through age so a 20 year old is going to go into a transformational space you know just like a curiosity of like hey let's see what happens at least for me like my almost like inner psychological work only starts around 30 or starts around 28 or something when i'm starting to question did i really want that experience or not you know like up until that point I was like, yeah, bring it all on and I'll, like, collect all of the experiences in the world. Um, And then I feel like in our 30s we're probably like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Like, We've got enough content to try and start to play with what's actually beneficial, um, which I'm seeing in a lot of people. And I feel like in 40s maybe you're, like, really, like, okay, I'm now, like, mastering something And I'm going to teach it the way I, you know, the way I've learned it. And I feel like the older you get, the more rigid you get from that point where like, no, this Mm. is the way, you know, I've discovered this way. So, like, this is the way we do it and structure it. And, you know, having amazing teachers, having had amazing teachers who are in their 60s or 50s and that, there's there is like the way of doing things, which I guess becomes harmful in a sense of, okay, I'm going to take it on as a 20 something year old and then have to separate my personal interpretation of what happened from probably their intentions, you know, whatever we're going and facing. Um, So when it comes to spirituality, I guess we all have older teachers who are more advanced in the path. Um, there aren't a lot of child gurus I feel that we follow um but yeah I'm seeing the the wonder around okay they just have more life experience so there's more material and scope of life to speak into um but beyond that what is actually the the skeletal teaching and I feel like we can like I guess in a healthy way, we could just take parts of it and see what Mm. fits. And the new generation is always, always going to produce something better and always going to produce something more nuanced. And in a way, I'm seeing how the older generation then becomes in service of the new younger one who's actually going to, you know, like take that a step further. Um, Even in healing work when we realise we can't heal our parents or, you know, like no matter how much work they're going to do, they're only going to come to so far in even Mm. in generational lineage healing. And then I feel like we're going to take it a step further. And then probably our kids are going to take it just to other dimensions that I can't even comprehend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting the, the age thing. Cause when I look at some of my teachers, like I definitely don't feel like in my experience that age has influenced how much of an impact they've had on me like I've had young teachers that have been like you know the most growth that I've gone through like I mean Layla Martin's quite young um, and she was yeah a teacher that had such a massive like impact on my journey at that stage then I've had other teachers that are Oh, and they've been doing this for forty years, and blah blah blah. And I found their stuff, yeah, just quite irrelevant and outdated. And yeah, that they they learned the way, you know, twenty years ago. And a lot of the stuff is actually being disproved, um, or you know, there's been like advancements and. Uh, new understandings of, you know, even things like breath and breath work, like there's all this new science around it. Mm-hmm. So stuff that was mm-hmm. relevant 10 years ago is now actually outdated and can be actually harmful and stuff. So it was quite interesting. And cause like, I, you know, I'm still very young, especially for someone to be, you know, teaching people that are, you know, becoming teachers and I get like self-conscious sometimes around my age, but then also I'm like, well, no, I do see this thing where like, there's the, the younger generation tend to have like yeah, a bit more of a nuanced perspective and a bit more in touch with the times and the newer information. Like, you know, if I have just been learning this stuff in the last five, 10 years, um, a lot of what I'll be learning is like the, the newest version that has been mastered and stuff. So, um, yeah, but I, I find some people will have this bias of like, Oh, this person's been doing it longer. So therefore they must know it more or be better at it um, which isn't always true and especially in tantra where um, it's only been in recent years that a lot of the tantric texts have actually been translated so a lot of people that were teaching back in the Osho day and stuff like their texts were either not completely accurate or were just like not even true at all (laughs) while like actually if you've been studying tantra more recently when there's been more of the text translated and a deeper understanding of the past philosophy then there's also like a different Mm. edge so yeah it's just really interesting how Mm. like age comes into play and yeah i know we were both also speaking um before in messages about like this kind of new way of leadership that's sort of emerging that's a bit more like the decentralized Uh, take and yeah like versus the kind of guru hierarchy older way of leadership versus like this newer way that's still kind of emerging so I'm curious your thoughts on that as well
1: um yeah I would love to make a point on like definitely the The emergence of science and spirituality like we just have so much more knowledge now especially all the nervous system stuff has just come in like in the last five years or something like everyone's talking about it so it's almost like oh that's just the new update like of course you want to have the newest update in your program because that's going to make it more um approachable available um update just like yeah we're living in a technology era like everyone's going to know anyway Mm-hmm. Um, so I really encourage any teachers, any schools, whatever you're teaching to like just keep up to date with the research. There's amazing stuff coming out in science. Um, the other thing that I'm kind of just kind of reentering academia or like, you know, researching my old ways of doing research back when I was in uni And a lot of the teachers just kind of point you to the references or resources. They don't actually tell you what the conclusions are going to be. So I'm really appreciating that way of learning and that way of inquiry where Mm. as much as we can indeed getting out of the guru model of somebody just knowing the answers, which is kind of the lazy person's model of spirituality anyway, (laughs) um, like you could just be a Christian if you're cool with that. but. If you actually want to know answers and find what's true for yourself like try to find the most original text or try to find the most approach, original approach and the more yeah like you mentioned around texts being just discovered um one of the questions i would have like okay how many translations of that has the text gone through before it gets to you including mm-hmm. the reader you know, like it's been translated from the original language to something, to Sanskrit, to English, to your teacher, Mm -hmm. making a book about it, and then to you. So it's gone through already five steps of reinterpretations. So I feel like the original material counts a lot. And then, yeah, some of it's just outdated. Like people were living in a different time back in whenever, when that was relevant and they were writing the, the current so in a sense I'm also interested in like what's how can we bridge spirituality with what's happening with science what we know about reality itself and how does that change our approach I I feel like the Dalai Lama is doing that a lot or being a big spokesperson for that
0: yeah I mean I was even like you know, the, the AI stuff's just getting so fascinating. Like we were playing with this chat AI, um, that like text generator and we we're like, how do you, uh, become awakened? And it literally is like giving you this step-by-step based on like all the internet's posts about like how to become awakened to your true nature. And it was like, yeah, I saw someone comparing like a tantric philosopher with a modern philosopher and how their philosophies overlap and stuff. And I was like, whoa, and even like wrote a script for this like tantric um, meditation, Dehar Shirdi, like, and we're like, whoa, this is freaking How This AI can actually be the AI guru. Like you can literally ask it like even very spiritual nuance, like, you know, what's the best tips for experiencing non-dual reality in my day-to-day dance practice or something? And it can probably give you an answer. And I'm like, whoa, like this is... Yeah, it's insane what's happening. And I was talking to a friend that works in uh, virtual reality, like with the goggles and stuff. And they were talking about how people are like doing meditation ones in there where you like, you know, meet some spirit guy that guides you in a meditation and then you grow wings and you fly to the next stage. Or like they're talking about how could we do cacao ceremonies in a virtual reality space. And I was like, wow, it's really interesting. Like, could we do this, you know, old-fashioned kind of uh, Greek Um, initiation ritual with like you know seeing Persephone and going down into the underworld and getting taken through like this old school ritual theater kind of thing in a virtual reality space and how could that affect our consciousness and upgrade us so I know a lot of people in the hippie world are like really anti that and they're like oh like the AI and the VR and everything but I'm like It's pretty interesting as well and how much more accessible that would be because not everyone can fly to Bali or uh, New Zealand Mm -hmm. and go spend, you know, weeks doing spiritual trainings. But like if that stuff just becomes accessible to everyone all over the world or you need a computer or whatever, then yeah, it could be really interesting to see how consciousness could shift and how the spiritual awakening could shift with the right technologies and the right approach. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I find that, Mm -hmm. yeah, really, really intriguing. Um, Also, yeah, with the AI taking all our jobs, I'm like, well, could we then end up without needing jobs (laughs) and like having a totally different society if everyone's jobs are taken by AI? I'm like, (laughs) yeah, lots of things to contemplate there.
1: I feel like, yeah, you're, you're on, on the cookie around consciousness and how much more advanced. I'm like, almost like getting that effect of (laughs) like going faster, (laughs) traveling at light speed through the AI network. Um, And I'm also having this whole, like, oh, what about the body? Like the body is so (laughs) archaic, the body is so caveman. And it's not gonna, I mean, maybe if we come up with cellular biotechnology that will actually, you know, be able to reprogram our our cells quicker. Um, but I'm just like, oh, that's going to be a job for the future. Like how to actually take care of physical touch. Like, yeah. I'm really scared for humans for not having that integration because I've been in that mode a lot. And I can mm. so enjoy getting into consciousness mode a lot. And then I'm like, oh, I actually haven't showered in a week. Or, you know, like I haven't eaten today or you know like, what about all of this stuff is going to become more prevalent as well with that? Yeah. So I, well, this is I, I'm what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that AI it, can I'm take also... our job. I no, think that people, like, people are always going to need job. like
0: intimacy and real touch and real like human body connection. I think that's yeah. if like anything going to Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, let's just like up our prices, basically. (laughs) Like in-person stuff is going to be the luxury where Uh people have access to the information. Yes, but then, yeah, it's an interesting question around leadership and what's becoming then the structure of where do you need help from and how does that look like? Because you can access anyone's teachings and teacher, you know, you're probably create Mm -hmm. like a holographic mode of, i don't know elon musk or the buddha and have him speak to you directly i'm sure that's going to be possible in no time but then i feel like the the thing that we're talking into is where does the the self the wisdom that's coming from within like how Mm -hmm. does that actually start to manifest in a place where we're constantly bombarded by answers yeah
0: Yeah. And then how does that then apply like in community? I mean, it's one thing to, you know, have all this information, Mm -hmm. but then like how are you living and how are you acting and how are you like letting that wisdom show up as compassion in the way that you're like kind to other people or understanding. And uh, yeah. And that's what, you know, it's turning me on a lot more as well. Like when I'm running retreats or events is like, yeah, really the community building and the like practical application. So it's not just like, Oh, we're a bunch of people that are, Coming and you know touching each other it's like yeah like how do we share authentically and communicate and really like hold space for each other and um really see each other and be seen and be accepted and celebrated and all that kind of stuff which is what like everyone deeply desires at their core uh so yeah I think like that's where you know we show the integration of the work it's like how are you actually showing up for other people and for yourself um mm. and not just yeah going into the you know, the community trance of just following, but like having this whole bunch of unique individuals with their unique perspectives and like respect and honor that and be in coherence together without then becoming this one thing where everyone speaks exactly the same. They're using the same dramatic spiritual lingo and they're all like, you know, just saying the same thing over and over. It's like, we don't want these little carbon copies. We want unique expressions of consciousness um but to flow harmoniously somehow together so it's yeah interesting work (laughs) cool well we're running out of time so i'd love to yeah just hear your kind of final like reflections or if there's any like tips or advice you'd like to give people around navigating this work Mm -hmm. or yeah anything like that
1: yeah i feel like What would really help is knowing why you're doing anything that you're doing, just having a really strong intention of this is why I'm going to this teacher or this person or this retreat, I want to blah, blah, blah. Almost like being transparent about it to whoever is in charge of the space. I'm starting to be a bigger and bigger fan of just credentials and knowing what the person's done before or where the teachings come from and being able Mm -hmm. to kind of do a little background check as well and see what you're getting into basically like okay this person's philosophy backs up from this person's philosophy and what are their track records Mm. um because there's all these yeah these dogmatic little pieces that trickle back in um which could be detrimental in the worst case Mm. um and yeah I mean I'm still I I think I'm gonna kind of like curveball from the field of sensuality sexuality into more education and wanting to teach people or like find out how we learn how the brain works like neuroscience and education is where I'm mm. currently going towards and it's a lot more to do with yeah like how do we cater to individual preferences and brains and nervous systems because everyone's unique and different and yeah also having the freedom to kind of choose your choose your level choose your path in terms of spaces that we go into which yeah you've been mentioning and I feel like that's the biggest thing just have choices we want a buffet Mm -hmm. um we don't all want to eat the same thing
0: yeah for sure
1: yeah that's what we're
0: yeah hoping that yeah there there does seem to be like a lot more different schools like emerging and different options because yeah, I mean, that's the thing for so many years. It was like Ista was the only option for people wanting to like do the sacred sexuality thing. I mean, it was the like the biggest known school, and it's not necessarily what's right for everyone. There's definitely like a certain person at a certain time in their life that maybe that style of teaching and that style of um experiences is is for and then there's definitely a need for yeah like more soft gentle spaces for you know maybe the adrenaline junkies that need something that's a little like softer or maybe there's people that just want to focus more on this thing and they want people that just want the sexual stuff or people that don't want sexual stuff at all and uh, yeah it seems like there's a lot more emerging which is yeah really interesting to observe but yeah also definitely a place to check uh people's credentials or their background because i'm just also seeing again and again more people that have like maybe attended one event themselves and then they stop being like i'm gonna hold like this this whole like deep dive retreat and do all this shadow work and i'm just like you know as well i'm seeing a lot of people yeah running couples retreats that don't have any training in actual like relationship therapy or anything and I'm like do you realize what happens when you get a bunch of uh couples that are like arguing and fighting together and you don't know how to like hold that or how to help them conflict like with conflict resolution I'm like
1: wow (laughs) yeah which which then goes into all like I need to make my methods work because I don't know anything else which is worse than being just like well oh like the main thing that I want to bring from therapy field into this field is the whole like it starts from you like what do you think should happen you know like what's your ideal like outcome like therapists at least in my school never suggest solutions Mm. it's like you never offer a choice like coaches do that all the time but that's Mm -hmm. the difference between the approaches where actually the answers are already in the person that's coming to your training and you just. Yeah, I found
0: actually coaching is very much that as well. We were always told, like, yeah, always just ask the right questions and not give answers mm-hmm. or not guide them a certain way. It's like, yeah, only if they're mm-hmm. really, really absolutely stuck and they've got nothing at all to say, you'd be like, well, maybe this or this, <laughs> you yeah. know? But yeah, it's yeah. Um, so needed rather than, yeah, just pushing, like, this is what worked for me and my boyfriend. So we're going to teach you that. And it's like, everyone's so different. You just can't. Yeah. Yeah. cool awesome. well it's been lovely to chat with you um how can people connect with you if they want to yeah connect with you on the interwebs <laughs>
1: uh-huh. um yeah just message me i guess um i think my whole everything is mystic me amore in mm-hmm. all the things and i don't really have any offerings at the moment i feel like i work with people if they want to work with me <laughs> that's worked for me in the recent. Um, yeah. Cool. All
0: right. Well, I'll put your details below for everyone that wants to check out more. And yeah, thanks for sharing your insights. Mm-hmm. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode i hope you've enjoyed it and found it inspiring you can connect with me on instagram youtube facebook and through my website centralartistry.com and centralarts.school where you can get some freebies and sign up to my mailing list to stay in touch hope to see you again soon